بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان لا يوم الدين أما بعد الحمد لله we're continuing with تسهيل قصد السبيل which as we had mentioned previously this is the book which Imam Maulana Ashraf Ali Tanwi, Rahmatullah Ali, he would recommend to his murideen and he would recommend to those people who are treading the path of suluk, he would rec- recommend them before anything else to read this book, study it and understand it very well. Because as we mentioned previously, it is only when we have understood the usul that we will arrive to usul. And we will reach our destination only after we have understood the fundamentals. And some of the mashayikh and the akabir have said that hurimatil wusul min al-jahli bil-usul al-nasu qad hurimu al-wusul min ajli Jahlihim bil usul, that there have been people who were deprived of reaching their destination because of not understanding the usuls, the fundamentals. So, people who misunderstand what is tasawwuf, they have not even stepped foot on the path, right? Because they have considered tasawwuf, which is the dawa, they have considered that to be the da. Tasawwuf, which is supposed to be the medicine. They have considered that to be the poison. And how can a person who considers the medicine to be poison ever attain cure from his sickness? It can never be. So this is like a fundamental mistake that people have done, that they have considered this to be wrong from the onset. And when they have done that, they have never even entered into the hospital. Hence, they are ever afflicted by sickness of pride and arrogance and ignorance and jealousy and hatred and all of these other diseases that ail the heart. So this is like a fundamental mistake. Right? Those people were never reaching the destination because of the fact that they didn't understand just even the simple fundamental things that it's tasawwuf in itself is not some concocted, fabricated way. Rather, it is just simply the essence of what is taken from the Qur'an and the Sunnah in regards to purification of the heart. And if a person would have understood that usul, if a person would have understood that usul, then he would not have been deprived of wusul and reaching the understanding and reaching the destination and being able to benefit from this path of tasawwuf. So, and obviously we go further, there's people that are treading the path of tasawwuf, but for example, they don't understand the usuls, they don't understand certain principles, respect of shaykh, right? Respecting of the path, respecting people of Allah, or for example, being able to 
differentiate between what is the objective and what is not the objective, right? Certain people, they focus a lot on in tasawwuf, on singing songs and anashid and, you know, um, you know, calling themselves Chishti, Qadri, Suhrawardi, Naqshbandi, right? They get involved in all of these musammayat. They get involved in all of these terminologies and names and practices and, you know, let me kiss your thumb, you know, kissing each other's thumbs and, you know, calling one another CD and, you know, Hazrat this, Hazrat that, you know, thinking that their tasawwuf is, you know, that's Hazratism, right? That's cultism. The actual purpose and objective is none of those things. Neither singing Ash'ar or Anashid or kissing each other's thumbs or calling one another CD or, you know, wearing a specific type of topi or kufi or, you know, dressing in a specific manner. All of these things are the hashu, right? All of these things are the unnecessary uh, additives to this path. And these are the things, if we don't understand what are the objectives, then we will be deprived of reaching our destination. So we begin with the first hidayah in which Maulana Hazrat Hakimul Ummat, Mujaddidul Millat, Maulana Shah Hakim Ahmad, Maulana Shah Ashraf Ali Tanwi is clarifying to us what are the usuls. So he says, Hidayah number one, page eight, the stages of suluk. The linguistic meaning of suluk, yani, as-suluku, as-suluk, lughatan, yani, to tread a path, to tread a path. Salaka fulanun al-tariq, such and such person tread a path. This is the linguistic definition, the lughawi meaning. And tasawuf. In tasawuf, this term refers to adorning one's zahir and batin, the internal and the external aspects of a person, uh, respectively. In other words, the istilahi meaning of suluk, when you say suluk in tasawuf, when we say suluk as a science, it refers to, right, at-tahalli wa takhalli in other words, adorning one's zahir with the prophetic qualities and ridding one's batin from the shaitanic qualities and adorning one's batin also with the prophetic qualities. The zahir is adorned through acts pertaining to the physical body such as salat and fasting. It is essential that one performs these acts. So it is necessary for us to do these actions. So, zahiran wa batinan, right? Islam. Tuqeem as-salata, wa tu'tiya zakata, wa tasuma ramadana, wa tahujjal bayt. This is all the zahiri actions that refers to the body. And obviously, these are all faraid. It's essential for us to do these things. The batin is adorned by inculcating correct beliefs. First and foremost, as the Messenger of Allah وسلم, mentioned, as narrated in the Hadith of Jibreel, it's called the Hadith of Jibreel, that Jibreel salam, asked the Prophet about Iman and then about Islam and then about Ihsan. So Iman is adorning the heart with correct aqaid, removing the heart from the filth of shirk, removing the heart from the filth of and the impurity of uh, superstition and all of these incorrect false ideologies and then inculcating the heart 
with sincerity and gratitude and worldly love and having humility and humbleness and love and compassion and mercy for other human beings. Okay? So this is right iman. And then Islam is right all the external actions, salat and zakat and hajj and zom and so on. And then we come to ihsan. So the process of adorning the vahir and the batin is the first stage of suluk. Right? This is called wilayati amma, a general bond of friendship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And every pious Muslim is at this stage of suluk. In other words, the hadith of Jibreel, it clarifies to us, right? whatever we have in suluk and, and whatever we have in spirituality, in purification of the heart, in tazkiyah, or whatever you want to call it. لا مشاحت في الاستلاح Yani, there's, there's no uh, problem in any word that you use, right? This is not about musammayat. You can call yourself Salafi and you implement all of the actions of tazkiyatul qalb, purifying your heart from the evil things and implementing, right, the good qualities, inculcating the prophetic qualities, bahiran wa batinan. Whether you call yourself Salafi or whether you call yourself Shia, Right? If your aqidah is correct, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. Right? La mashahata fil istilah. Doesn't matter what it's called. It's actually the amal. Like someone who said very beautifully that tasawwuf was once a reality in the time of the Prophet. It was a reality without a name. Tasawwuf was a reality without a name. People were doing tasawwuf, they didn't have any names for it. They didn't call it Sufism or Tasawwuf or Tariqat or Chishtiya or Naqshbandi or none of that. That didn't exist. They just did the Amal. And that's whatever was mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah and the, uh, the Af'al of Rasulullah Sallallahu and in the, uh, you know, Zahiran wa Batinan. Implementing the Deen, Iman, Islam, Ihsan, Zahiran wa Batinan. That's what it was. It was a Haqiqat without a name. And now it has become a name without a Haqiqat. SubhanAllah. Now tasawwuf has become what? It's a name. Oh, Sufi, tasawwuf, chishti, naqshabandi. But if you look at the reality of these people, right, completely empty. Completely, yani, farigh anil sifat al-Muhammadiyya, alayhi salatu wassalam. Completely empty of the beautiful qualities, uh, of the prophetic qualities that make us, right, worthy of being called an insan. Hakimul Ummat rahmatullah is saying this stage is called wilayat ya'amma, meaning every person who is a Muslim can become a wali, a friend of Allah. Allahu waliyyul ladina amanu yukhrijuhum min al-dhulumati ilan-nur. Allah Ta'ala is the friend, and the believers are the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who, are, uh, who, who believe, who have adorned their hearts with iman, and they implement what Allah Ta'ala has added. Ya ayyuhal ladina amanu, aminu. Right. Those who oh, you who believe, believe as it is rightful for you. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu taqullaha haqqa tuqatihi. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu ittaqullaha haqqa tuqatihi. Subhanallah. What is this? This is the wilayati amma. This is something that Allah Ta'ala is asking from every single Muslim. This has nothing to do with a tariqah. It has nothing to do with a, um, quote-unquote, a path that must be followed or a cult or a group. No. Every pious Muslim who follows Iman, Islam, and implements Ihsan is at the stage of Suluk. And they have a general bond of friendship. 
However, now there's a second stage of sulu called wilayati khasa, or those who have a special bond of friendship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second stage of suluk is exclusive to the awliya or the saints. Then we can see the reality of this in a hadith narrated in the Sahih of Imam Bukhari and the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he actually mentions that um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has awliya. Allah has friends. But these are very, very khas friends. And these khas friends have been mentioned in a hadith, which is hadith Qudsi. Man aada li waliyan faqad aadantuhu bilharb. Anyone who harbors enmity for a wali of mine. Here we see in this hadith that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, I have awliya, I have, you know, for lack of a better word, it's very hard to define wali. So we'll say friend. Right? Friend, yani somebody who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is guarding him and protecting him. And that person is guarding and protecting the ahkam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this hadith Qudsi, narrated in Sahih al-Bukhari, Man aada li waliyan faqad aadantuhu bilharb. Anyone who harbors, harbors enmity for a friend of mine, then I have made a declaration of war against the one who harbors enmity for him. And then he continues, وَمَا تَقَرَّبَ إِلَيَّ عَبْدِي بِشَيْنْ أَحَبَّ إِلَيَّ مِمَّ افْتَرَفْتُ عَلَيْهِ And my slave does not draw near to me with anything which is more beloved to me than that which I have made obligatory upon him. Meaning, the thing that I love most by which people draw near to me is the fard'at. Meaning, now this is, you can say the wilayati amma. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this hadith Qudsi is mentioning about wilayati amma. That there's nothing which is more beloved to me by which a person comes close to me. Like if a person were to ask, what's the most beloved way that I can draw near to Allah? It's mimma ftaradtu alayhi. From that which I have made fard upon him. So a person praying five times a day, a person fasting in the month of Ramadan, this is the most beloved thing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Otherwise, why would He have made it obligatory upon you? He made it obligatory upon you because this is the means by which we draw near to Him. And He loves that because He has made it mashru'. He has sanctioned it. And this is the reason why, right, if you do that action, this is the most beloved in His sight. Now it's talking about the wilayat khasa, you can say. Hear this hadith. It doesn't uh, uh, mention this is wilayat amma, wilayat khasa, but this is what we derive from this hadith. وَمَا يَزَالُ عَبْدِي يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ حَتَّى أُحِبَّهُ يعني أُحِبَّهُ مَحَبَّةً خَاصَ And my slave continuously draws near to me through optional things. Now, he's not just doing the fard, only what is required of him. He's doing above and beyond that. يَتَقَرَّبُ إِلَيَّ بِالنَّوَافِلِ حَتَّى أُحِبَّهُ And he draws near to me through nawafil and continues to do this until I begin to love him. There's a special connection now is built between us. فَإِذَا أَحْبَبْتُهُ And then when I have love for him and I love him كُنْتُ سَمْعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعُ بِهِ 
وبصره الذي يبصر به ويده التي يبطش بها أو يبطش بها ورجله التي يمشي بها وإن سألني لأعطينه وَلَئِنْ إِسْتَعَاذَنِي لَأُعِذَنَّهُ Then what happens when Allah Ta'ala loves him? كُنْتُ سَمَعَهُ الَّذِي يَسْمَعَ I become his ear through which he hears with, his eye through which he sees with, his hand through which he grasps, his foot by which he walks with. If he asks of me, I will most definitely give him. And if he seeks protection from me, I will grant him that protection. SubhanAllah. What does this mean? كُنْتُ سَمَعَ I become his eye. In another riwayat, it says, what does that mean? Yani, in my, in, you know, he sees, right, with what pleases me. He hears only what pleases me. He takes only what I am pleased with. And he walks only in the direction that I will be pleased with. In other, in other words, he will not go against the commandment of Allah in any way to such an extent as if he is the ear of Allah Ta'ala, he is the eye of Allah Ta'ala, he is the sight of Allah Ta'ala, he is the hand of Allah Ta'ala. And this is all majazan. Obviously, it's not the haqiqi meaning. As some ignorant Sufis, right, they say, you know, uh, that they actually, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, right, uh, becomes, uh, uh, you know, comes inside of them or something like that. And all of that is ignorance and it is jahal and zandaqa. It is heresy. And it is ignorance and deviation. The meaning of this, Kuntu sam'ahu alladhi yasma'u bihi, like you say, I become his eye or I become his hand by which he grasps, like, like you say, this is my right hand man. What is the meaning that this is my right hand man? It means somebody who is constantly with you, somebody who you can trust, somebody who you know, carries out your tasks. He's my right hand man. He is always there with me. And he does exactly according to what? I wish. That's the meaning of right-hand man. Right? He's always there. He has close ta'alluq and he does whatever his friend or his uh, close companion demands from him or asks of him. So in other words, he becomes a right-hand man to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the sense that he does only what pleases Allah azza wa jal and he does not do anything other than and go against the commandment of Allah Azza wa Jal. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all, all that. This stage of suluk you can see is wilayati khasa. The first stage was wilayati amma. A person does what he's asked to do. To further understand this, let's look at another example. Right? The example is like the example of a person who works at a company. He works at a factory. And he does exactly what the boss, boss asks of him. You know, he clocks in at 9, he clocks in at 5, 9 to 5. Clock in, clock out. He does exactly what he does. Him. And the boss is pleased with him and he gets his pay. The second example is a person. He's supposed to be at work at 9 and he's supposed to leave at 5. But the person comes in at 6 in the morning. And he opens up the factory. He cleans, right? And he prepares everything and sets everything up. And then he's supposed to leave at 5, but he leaves at 9 in the night. And he puts in that extra time. Now, what is this person? This person, he is up for promotion. That promotion is going to be something very honorable. That is the honor that he's given. right? That is the honor that he is given due 
to the extra time that he put and the extra concern. And the boss will love that person more. Why? Because he is putting in more time and he is giving more sacrifice. And this is the way that we can understand the difference between a normal Muslim who is also beloved to Allah Ta'ala and a person who is a wali of Allah Ta'ala. The awliya of Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala, what do they do? They go above and beyond what Allah Ta'ala has asked of them. And the regular Muslims do exactly what Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala wants and they are also beloved to Him. But because of the extra sacrifice that the awliya give, Allah Ta'ala gives them that promotion. And that promotion is wilayati khassa. And this second stage of suluk is exclusive to the awliya or the saints. In addition to what is found in the first stage, this stage also consists of engaging the vahir in an abundance of nafil ibadah and the batin with constant dhikrullah. In this second stage of suluk, there is no room left for neglect and forgetfulness. Thus, the second stage encompasses everything in the first stage plus abundant nafil acts and perpetual dhikr. The acquisition of the first stage of suluk, wilayat ama, is fard upon every Muslim. And this first stage has two elements, two essential elements, knowledge and practice. It's binding. Talabul ilmi faridatun ala kulli Muslim. Knowledge, talabul ilmi faridatun ala kulli Muslim. Limada, liya'mal bihi. The seeking of knowledge is faridah, is a binding obligation upon every Muslim. Why? So that they act upon it. So that they know what Allah Ta'ala has asked of them. So point number one is knowledge. And what is this knowledge? Right? This knowledge entails of having sufficient ma'rifat and knowledge of the deen that will enable a person to lead his life in full conformity with the sharia. The sharia is everything which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from his slaves in this dunya. Knowing that and living according to that is what will bring our life in accordance with the pleasure of Allah. Such knowledge may be acquired by studying authentic books or by learning these rulings from the ulama. Beishti Zewar, Safai Mu'amalat, Miftahul Jannat, Miftahul Jannah are books published by this humble servant that will be sufficient for one's daily requirements. We have some of these that have been translated in English. Beishti Zewar has been translated in English. Another beneficial book is The Path to Perfection. You have books like The Absolute Essentials. And reading those books and practicing upon them will fulfill and it'll be sufficient for a daily requirement of being a practicing Muslim. And number two, practice entails having firm resolution. Having a firm resolution to act in accordance with what has been learned. You're not learning these things just for the sake of learning it. You're learning it so that you implement it. Right? This resolution is necessary in order to prevent the desires of the nafs and the criticisms of people from becoming hindrances in performing virtuous deeds. Firm resolution means that you have to have firm intention that everything I learned, I'm going to practice it because on your way, there will be difficulties, there will be hardships, people will criticize and all of these things will become hindrances. So you have to remove those hindrances by making a firm resolution. Because they say, The himma of the men of Allah comes the help and victory from Allah. And if a person doesn't make that firm resolution and he's wishy-washy and loosey-goosey, right, he's loose all the time, whatever, you know, however the wind, you know, whatever direction the wind blows him, he goes in that direction. No. 
knowledge is the direction that we are taken, right? People or other influences is not the direction that we go. We go in the direction that our knowledge takes us. We go in the direction that the sunnah takes us. We go in the direction that the sharia takes us. Even if that direction might not be a direction of popularity. So we have to have a firm resolution that I'm going to implement this no matter what. And when you have that firm resolution, then your shariat will be your imam. However, if you don't make that firm resolution, then shariat and sunnah and your ilm will not be your imam. The rida of the people, the pleasure of the people, the acceptance of the people, having popularity amongst you know, Facebook followers, that is the thing that's going to be your imam. And that is a very dangerous imam. The acquisition of the second stage of suluk, wilayat khasa is mustahab. The second stage, praying tahajjud, making extra dhikrs, praying salatul duha, praying ishraq, you know, praying awabin, all of these things are, it's preferred. It's not fard upon you. Generally, most people only regard the second stage to be suluk. People only think that the second stage, yani doing extra things, waking up for tahajjud, fasting extra days, people think that the second stage, uh, only this is suluk. However, if developing the second stage of suluk leads to the interference or neglect of any of the essential teachings of the first stage, then it will not be permissible to be involved in the second stage. For example, right? People, they say, you know, I'm going to be a Sufi now. So, you know, he cuts himself off from his wife and kids and he leaves work and, you know, he does all of these various things. Whereas the first stage of suluk, right, which is conformity to the Sharia, it demands a person to fulfill all of his hukuk, to take care of his parents if they need taken care of, to take care of his wife and kids, to work, to earn a living. All of these things are the demand of the first stage. Now, he is sacrificing the demands of the first stage, right? In order to attain higher levels in the second stage, this is not permissible. For example, some ignorant people abandon their wives and children and toil and make effort under the impression that they are treading the path of suluk. In reality, they are caught in a deception. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to understand this. وآخر دعوانا الحمد لله رب العالمين